Lord, that is our prayer tonight. We will be faithful to the end, that you will be glorified, that you would be our domineering passion. We will want nothing more than your name to be glorified. Lord, we love you. Continue to fill us with the Spirit this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can have your seats. We are actually going to go ahead and jump right in uh, to the sermon. Um, oh, I need my phone for that prophetic word. Hold up. So uh, the title of the sermon is um, The Recovery of Christian Zeal. And uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. You guys can go ahead and turn there now. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13 is where we'll be at. Romans 12, 9 through 13. And uh, it's kind of funny. As I was thinking of how to start off this sermon, I couldn't think of anything. <laughs> and, uh, but I will share this, that it was, uh, I think more than any other sermon I've written, uh, just a, a, a to- the totality of the awareness of my need for the Holy Spirit in this. Because what I'm calling us to tonight is not something we can just like, manufacture and work harder and make happen. Like, I'm calling us to something that only God can do. And so there's nothing we can do except be dependent, even as I'm preaching now, dependent on the Lord that he will answer our cries for him to make us zealous for him. So we're going to be in uh, Romans chapter 12, or yeah, chapter 12, verses 9 through 12, 9 through 13. But uh, this prophetic word came through. Ramona uh, was, has been praying for us. Many people have been praying for this meeting. And uh, so I'm going to share a prophetic word she had, then I'm going to jump to our scripture, and then we're going to get rolling, all right? She said, this scripture, uh, hold on, la, la, la. I received during my regular Friday prayer morning with ladies while we were praying for the kickoff of 2030. The scripture was on my heart. Colossians 2, 6 through 8. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. She says, I believe the Lord is at work in this generation of folks in the church to recenter their lives on this phrase, according to Christ so that they're not drawing their well-being or or their wisdom to live by or their foundations for life or marriage or family or their current work situation from anything other than the living, breathing word of God and the life we have received from our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to empower them to live and move and have their being according to Christ to make key decisions about their lives according to Christ, to impact the world around them by living their lives according to Christ for the sake of Christ's glory displayed in them. And I believe the Lord has prepared an outpouring of his spirit and power to wake them up and enable them to live and serve him in this way. Some of you may be even here and not even knowing how much you need this, but the Lord is going to make you thirsty and move in them and satisfy you all in this way. May it be so. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. God's holy and authoritative word. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. 
Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. This is the, this is the verse we're going to focus in on, verse 11 right here. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the Spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Heavenly Father, would you fill me with your spirit right now? Would you allow me to be helpful and allow me to be clear and allow me to be passionate for your glory? Would you allow us to leave this room more zealous for you and your glory than when we first started? God, would you bless the preaching of the word? Would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you? O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Zeal is a defining mark of the Christian that we must pursue in the spirit in our singular aim of pleasing God. That's what we want to do. We want to be a people who are zealous for Christ, who are zealous for God's glory. And yet, <laughs> the reason this command is in here is because that's not our natural inclination. We are slothful in zeal many times. We don't watch our affections closely. We don't take note of what stirs our affections and where we are spending our energies. We can live for the vanity of success on earth rather than eternity and the smile of God. It's unsettling that we can become so familiar with something as extravagant as the gospel that we find ourselves unmoved by its realities and its implications. Especially when, this is the crazy part, when we can point to specific points in our lives where the mere mention of Christ and his cross would ignite a fire in our emotions that would bring us to our knees in awe and wonder. We've all experienced that. We can all point to that. Do you ever wonder what's changed? Where did that fire go? What happened? Well, might I suggest that this comes from a lack of cultivating zeal, or as the text puts it, becoming slothful in zeal. And my hope for us for tonight is that we would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, reignite a fiery desire for God. Nothing else but God. That there would be joy and excitement and we would be marked by a sacred zeal for the things of God. The homie J.C. Ryle, this guy, he wrote an essay called uh, Christian Zeal. I, it's free online. Download it. Read through it. It's amazing. But he says it this way. He says, this desire is so strong that when it really reigns in a person that it compels them to make any sacrifice, to go through any trouble, to deny themselves anything, to suffer, to work, to labor, to toil, to spend themselves and be spent, and even to die, if only they can please God and honor In our text, Paul has just finished expounding on the glories of the gospel and has now shifted to its implications on how this gospel transforms the Christian's daily life. And it results in this. It results in a recovery of true, sacred, holy Christian zeal. This text matters today because the surrounding commands of the text, verses 9 through 13, aren't things that we're going to float or accidentally drift into. into. This text matters because these are commands that, by God's grace, Covenant Fellowship Church has done well for the past 38 plus years. 
This text matters today because these are commands. In order to be obeyed, they have to be intentionally pursued in the power of the Spirit over and against the power of the enemy, right? Because spiritual warfare is real. There is an enemy who would keep us apathetic to holy things. And he wants us to be slothful in zeal. My hope for us tonight is I want us to walk away understanding this. Diligence, it's another way it can be translated, diligence in zeal cultivates joy in Christ, joy in life, and spiritual longevity. So I've got three questions for us. We're going to walk through this. Uh, it would be helpful to note what actually is zeal. I've been freaking out about zeal. Let's define it and talk about what it is. So question number one, what is zeal? Uh, zeal can essentially be described as this. It's, it's a, a boiling and a bubbling up for Christ, where there's just, you know, you put a pot on the Oven, is that what it's called? Yeah, stove, there it is. You put a pot on the stove and you see it rising, right? And it's just a constant stirring that just keeps bubbling and boiling and boiling. That's what Paul is calling us to regarding our zeal. It, is, it means this, it means that we are people who are preeminently of one thing. There's one desire, one drive that we have. There's one thing that consumes all of us. Uh, Jeff Perswell, this past year at the pastor's conference, preached an incredible sermon called The Pastor's Zeal, but it's applicable to like all Christians. Go listen to that as well. It's just a fantastic sermon. It actually shaped a lot of the sermon and why we're going through Christian zeal as a 2030 ministry. But he, he defines it like this. He says, it's an earnest commitment to something or someone, a devotion to a cause, a single-minded determination toward a goal, an unswerving resolve to fulfill an obligation. All that Christ has done for us has obliged us to be a people who want to serve him and love him and please him in all that we do. And even as we read this text, here's what I love about scripture. It's always hopeful, right? There's always something that you're reading and it's like, oh God, it's, it's in this. And hope for us here is this. Paul is commanding us not to be slothful in zeal. He's calling us to stay diligent in zeal, which means true sacred Christian zeal is possible. It's attainable and it's sustainable. Paul, excuse me, Paul wouldn't command us to do something that God isn't eager to help us in. Zeal is a gift from God that he loves to give. J.C. Ryle again, <laughs> I love this. A zealous man in religion is preeminently a man of one thing. It's not enough to say that he is earnest, hearty, uncompromising, thoroughgoing, wholehearted, or fervent in spirit. It's not enough. He only sees one thing. He cares for one thing. He lives for one thing. He is swallowed up in one thing, and that one thing is to please God. A helpful way to think of it is that, uh, this is a phrase that Jeff had in that sermon, is that zeal is not the heat of our emotions necessarily, but it's the focus of our affections. There's a focus a singular focus. I want to please Christ in this moment right now. We also need to know what zeal is not. Zeal is not a personality trait. I get excited about a lot of things. I, I can be zealous for all different kinds of stuff, right? There's things I freak out about all the time. I'm very easy to get excited. That is not what Paul is talking about here. He's not saying, you know what, if it kind of fits within how you naturally think about things, let's be us. No, he is calling every single one of us to be diligent in our zeal. And zeal looks like a lot of things. It's not just like being excited and loud. I'm always loud. That's not what zeal is. Zeal means coming to a meeting, rocking your baby in the back of the room. 
because you want more of God. Zeal can be a quiet service because you want to please God in all that you do. We may do a whole sermon on this, so I don't want to get too much into what false zeal is. So let me just read this paragraph real quick. Jeff describes it as bogus zeal. He says this, zeal, this is what zeal is not. <laughs> zeal over trivial matters. Zeal driven by pride. Zeal that is rash. Zeal that fades over time. That's not zeal. Zeal that's discouraged by difficulties, not zeal. Zeal that stirs up controversies, definitely not zeal. Zeal that divides, zeal that resists authority, zeal that is harsh, zeal that is untreatable, zeal that is stubborn in its convictions on secondary matters. This is bogus zeal. All right, so what does zeal look like? There's a lot of examples in this room. And there's a lot of examples in Scripture. You think of Paul, right? He's in jail, writing a letter to the Philippians, and he loves the people so much that he wants to be with them and serve them and love them, but he loves Christ so much that he says, I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart. He said, I, I want to die because to be with Christ is much better. You think of Isaiah, right? My soul, Isaiah 26, my soul yearns for you in the night. What does your soul yearn for in the night? My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. You think of David. And also, real quick, zeal doesn't mean you live life as a perfect Christian. David was a hot mess, <laughs> right? But listen to him here. Psalm 63, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Sacred zeal is not about the heat of our emotions, but the focus of our affections. And when that happens, here's what it looks like. It means we start to hate sin. Holy zeal causes us not to be okay with sin. Being diligent means we're not fine with a little gambling. A tiny lustful glance that lingers too long and then we bounce our eyes. We're not okay with this stuff. We don't want to be good enough Christians. We want to please the Lord in all that we do. Being zealous for God means these sins turn our stomachs because we realize we've displeased the Father. And I just want to please you, God. And then we confess these sins. Being, being zealous for God's glory and, and to please God looks like this. It means that we fold this virtue into something that we regularly pray for daily. Like every day we can, we can pray this, Lord, cultivate a sacred zeal in my heart. Make me zealous for you. And I hope you guys are picking up on this. This isn't something that is just kind of simple. We pray and then it happens. It is a doggone battle and a fight. The world is yanking at our affections, making us want all the nonsense that's out there. John Piper, the dude is like 80 years old. He's been on fire for God for a long time. Do you know what he says his mornings are like? He says he wakes up every single morning and it feels like the devil is sitting on his face. It's a fight. We have to fight for zeal. It's not just going to happen. Zeal is when you want God again. Don't you just want to want God Aren't you tired of that Romans 7 back and forth of wanting things you know you don't want and then not wanting things that you ought to want? You just want to fall in line and think of the, the beautiful promises in Romans 8 and say, yes, this is what I'm all about. The good news is that God delights in answering 
prayers for that desire. Diligence and zeal looks like joy being rekindled in your walk with Jesus, and it may not be immediate, but God promises to draw near to us, and he is a God who keeps his promises. You know, a lot of times uh, when we're comparing, because we do this, we compare ourselves to like old spiritual times, and it's like, man, that was one time I was so on fire for the Lord, I was praying for 13 hours a day and all that stuff. It's a lot, a lot of times it's kind of like the honeymoon phase in a relationship. Like you start off and everyone's like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to spend all my time with you. I love you so much. Smoochy, smoochy, right? And we're all so excited. But here's what happens, right? I, I've noticed, the, and the honeymoon phase is great. It's very sweet. It's very fun. But you know what's even sweeter than that? Talking to a couple who's been together for 40 plus years, and they've seen the ugliest side of that person, and they've seen the other person stay with them through trials and hardships. And that gaze that they have after 40 plus years is much sweeter than after two weeks. But it's because they know them and have seen that person be faithful. And guys, with us, when we think about God and how faithful he's been and all my sins and all my pride and all my mixed motives, he just stays faithful. And that makes me want to please him. Being diligent in zeal makes us zealous for God's glory everywhere, and it's going to have specific application at Covenant Fellowship Church. What does it look like to run our leg of the race for the next 30 years and to be zealous for Christ in that? We have to live our lives in such a way where God is smiling on all of our efforts. Being zealous, uh, being diligent in zeal means being zealous for God wherever you are. Scenarios cannot tamper the tenacity you have for the glory of God. Let's not be a people of one thing in certain areas, in certain scenarios, and then be people of another one thing when we're with our friends at work. And zeal sustains us through suffering. Right, Because we live in a fallen world and suffering is real. And stress and anxiety and financial tightness, Lord, somebody help me, are real things. These are real issues, but we have to think, guys, how do we walk through this trial while being people preeminently of one thing? What does it look like to remain zealous for God's glory in suffering? Okay, why don't I put this in here? <laughs> I think of Tim Shorey. man is actively dying, stage four cancer. His body is weak. He can only do like one thing a day. A couple weeks ago, he drove up to Covenant Fellowship Church during our times of fellowship group. He said, I, I just needed to be with the guys and have my soul encouraged. Being diligent in zeal means going the extra mile to make sure your soul and your affections are stirred up for the things of God. I think of Alan Redruth. bedridden, can't even swallow. You know what got him excited? A couple weeks ago when Jared went to visit him, he got a new commentary in the book of Genesis. And it links in a beautiful way the Garden of Eden to the new heavens and the new earth. That's what made him come alive. That's when he was laughing and joking when he's thinking of the things of God. Think of Linda Redrip, her faith on display as she watches her husband die. What did she do last year? She read through Providence by John Piper twice. 
That book is long. Two times. <laughs> oh, man, what was I trying to do here? <sighs> I think of my dear friend, Michael Granger. He planted a church in Ethiopia, but prior to that, had a complicated pregnancy with his wife. Weren't sure if his son was going to live through birth. And if he did, it would only be a couple of weeks. And I remember him surrounded by community group members holding his son with a hymnal open, singing hymns together, trusting in the Lord and wanting that child to glorify God. I remember two weeks before that, him calling me the day his son was born, which had all kinds of complications and fear around it. But he called me because my wife and I had just miscarried. And he wanted to care for me. Diligence and zeal gives you an other's focus. You want to serve others because you just want the glory of God to spread out into every single area of your life. And when that does it, it makes you selfless. And it pleases the Lord. If your joy in God is lacking, you're aware that you aren't a man or a woman of one thing, that your desires have been dispersed in many directions, and you hate that, praise the Lord. Your desires, the fact that you want to want God, are in line with the Savior's desires, so take heart and remain constant in prayer. Question number two, why must we be diligent in zeal? Well, because we're commanded to. <laughs> That's how this text starts. Do not be slothful in zeal. Okay, Paul, got it. We need to obey the scriptural command here. So God wants us to respond by reorienting our priorities so that the preeminent desire that is on display in our hearts and our works is to please God because we know there's nothing better. The scriptures call us to do this, so we have to answer the call of scripture. Another reason why we must be diligent in zeal is because we got a lot of problems, Right? We are a messed up group of people, and oftentimes, being slothful in zeal is our problem beneath the problem. We are also naturally unzealous. <laughs> if we drift, we're not going to drift towards zeal, we're going to drift towards apathy. And we live in an anti-zealous culture. Our culture loves apathy, and apathy is the anti-zeal. We'll do another sermon on the enemies of zeal, so I'm going to try and make this brief. But apathy, you know, it leads us to the spirit of just like, meh, or the spirit of just like, this is good enough. And if you think about it, the culture absolutely loves it. Think about the TV shows and different things that we watch and we enjoy and who are like the best characters, right? In Parks and Rec, you've got Ron Swanson. He does not care about his job. He is not a person who is zealous for good works. You think of April in Parks and Rec. If anyone knows the show, it was old Daria. It used to come on MTV a long time ago. Her whole thing is that she doesn't care about anything. Think of The Office, Jim Halpert, that dude is bad at his job. He is not <laughs> zealous. Or if we're going old school, X-Men, right? Wolverine, I'm talking about the yellow spandex, not Hugh Jackman. I'm talking about yellow spandex Wolverine. Why was he the coolest X-Men? Because he was out whenever he felt like it. If Cyclops was a nerd and being all messed up, he's like, I'm going to hop on my motorcycle and I'm out. He was not a person who was zealous. But this is what the culture celebrates and it has for a long time. Last example, think about the new show, Abbott Elementary, right? They're all in this public school district in Philadelphia, and it's characterized by apathy. And yet Janine, the main character, is a portrait of zeal. She's always bippity-boppity and ready, and she's mocked for it. That's like her like, anti-character arc is that she is uh, zealous and they need to fix that. All that to say, anyway, 
What's celebrated in our culture is apathy, and we are swimming in the waters of the culture every single day. Why must we be diligent in zeal? Because when we are slothful in zeal, here's what life looks like. We can find ourselves with a low sense, it doesn't have to be heightened and elevated, but just a low sense of purposelessness that kind of hangs around every once in a while like an unwelcome guest in our house. What happens is the routine of daily, weekly, or monthly rhythms are so dull yet so present in our lives that we are aware of the monotony of life so that we forget the miracle of the Lord's salvation given to a sinner who deserves hell. If we aren't diligent in zeal, we will be aimless and apathetic and eventually atrophy in our Christian affections. And they'll be replaced with this good enough attitude towards the things of God. What happens when we aren't diligent in zeal is the church is not as magnificent. Sermons are less engaging to you. You find yourself distracted or scrolling throughout pockets of the preaching or when you're doing your devotions. And you don't want that. Why diligence and zeal? For the glory of his name and for our good. The neglect of cultivating zeal will zap the life and joy out of our walks with the Lord When we aren't living for the pleasure of God, we are living for ourselves. We pursue the petty pleasures of the world, thinking that it's going to reignite a purpose in our lives. But our purpose is to live lives that please the Father. Jeff Percival, again, says like this. He says, when that one thing, this is what we want, when that one thing captures you and captivates you and stirs your affections and inflames your soul and compels you to give yourself to him and for him, that's sacred zeal. That's what we want. And when we have this, not only does it glorify God, but it's for our good. Think about your relationships, whether it's friendships, dating, marriage, how you're parenting. All of these relationships thrive when your primary purpose in them is to please God. It affects everything about it for conflicts and conflict resolution. When we're not worried about being right or justified or having our pride wounded, but we're preoccupied with pleasing God, we're quick to say, I'm sorry. We're quick to forgive. We're quick to say, I was wrong or I was an idiot. There's less of the, I'm sorry you reacted that way. And more of a weighty, this interaction displeased the Lord. And I hate the thought of that. What it does is leads us to be passionate for the building up of the church. It leads us to be passionate for evangelism. We want other people in on the goodness of pleasing God. And we do this because he is worthy. To be consumed with a passion for pleasing God is not embarrassing. It's praiseworthy. And finally, how do we become zealous? We have to be diligent in zeal, but what does that look like? How do we actually do this? Well, number one, I would say we must examine ourselves. We have to examine ourselves. Where would you say your level of zeal currently stands? And is it a place that you're satisfied with? Are you obeying this command, this biblical imperative to be diligent in zeal and make sure, listen up, do not examine your roommate right now or your spouse or your friend. Examine yourself. Take a moment with God and think, okay, Lord, where am I at with this command? Am I making sure my affections are being stirred appropriately for you and your glory? Consider your weekly months or your... Come on, y'all. Give me a break. Consider (laughs) your weekly rhythms or your monthly rhythms. What do you give your time to the most? 
What do you give your mental energy towards? What stirs your affections? If there was an Excel sheet that itemized your priorities and time given to things, what would be the conclusion of your one thing that you boil for daily? We've got to make the best use of our time. If you've got to commute to work, take some time to just sing some songs to God. I know sometimes it sounds cheesy. Like, Man, I want to listen to my kind of music. Take some time to intentionally stir your affections for Christ. Sinclair Ferguson, in his old age, started doing a daily podcast that just the whole purpose is just stir our affections for Christ. It's six minutes. That's easy. Read books that stir your affections for God. Incorporate solitude or extended times of prayer regularly or retreats with God to cultivate that, to be diligent in that zeal. Think about how you think about the future. What does a successful future look like to you? Is it getting a spouse? Is it financial stability? Is it a house? Is it a six-figure salary? Or is it to, be cons- to, to continue to be consumed with a desire still in endurance years down the road to finish well, to serve the Lord and please Him? One way is to express gratitude regularly and constantly. Thankfulness kills apathy. I mean, if you think about it, every single breath we take is a gift from God, and it's not guaranteed. Like, boom, thank you, God. Like, right there in that moment, there's reasons to give God thanks. I know it's silly, but it's real. And not only am I taking breaths, I'm taking breaths to someone who was not condemned for his sin. Every single time. Every breath. And when we think that way, every breath has the potential to bring us to our knees in thanksgiving to God. Uncondemned, still, even now. Think about your talents and your giftings. Each one has been given a gift. Make sure we're not burying that talent, leaving it for the people who are watching our kids right now. Like, it's, it's time now that God wants us to use our gifts and our talents for his glory right now. And again, guys, listen, these are just categories, not condemnations. Like, if there's stirrings that are happening here, like, nah, I'm not, like, beating you over the head. These are categories to consider, not condemnations. And God wants to help us move forward in it. And then finally, I'm almost done here, guys, is the beautiful irony, essentially, of this entire sermon. <laughs> because the way we grow in zeal is dependent. Zeal is a gift of grace from the Holy Spirit, not a manufactured hobby. Zeal is expressed through a sheer and utter dependence on God. Hear me, if you feel spiritually dry, unaffected, unmoved by the things of God, the way your affections are transformed is through your dependence, which is glorious. Like, you can't just make this happen. God has to breathe on this, and your dependence on him will bring this. We got to pray for this gift from the Spirit. We do not recover Christian zeal simply by doing better or doing more or being louder in our service. We recover Christian zeal through a long obedience in the same direction, as a theologian says it, with a dependency on the finished work of Christ of pleading with God to reorganize our affections fully and wholly dependent on the Spirit to get things done in our lives. Jeff Perswell says it like this. He says, to be fervent, this is like how the Spirit makes this happen. I love this. To be fervent is literally to boil, bubble up, be on fire, to be set on fire by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God 
who creates godly zeal. It's the Spirit who stirs and fires us, who incense our souls to Christ, who solidifies convictions, who stirs longings, who fortifies resolve. The Spirit does that, and that's good news. The relief here is that zeal is a gift from the Holy Spirit. And we can trust the Spirit wants this for us. We're not going to force our hand to make it happen, and praise the Lord, that's the case. So we live our lives seeking earnestly to glorify our God in all that we do. And that's the whole reason the Spirit came. He came to bear witness and to glorify the Son. So we are in this together, yes, you and I, but also us and the triune God is here for the business of glorifying Christ and hallowing the glorious name of our God. So Lord, would you help us to be a people who are diligent in our zeal and defined as a people who are of one thing. May we operate in a joyful dependence as the Spirit stirs our affections and defines us as a people who have an unwavering zeal for the Lord. May the Spirit empower us to be diligent in zeal so that our joy in Christ is cultivated that our purpose in life is clear, and we run with spiritual endurance to the very end. Let's pray. Just wait on the Lord. (laughs) Holy Spirit, we need you to fill us. We've said it over and over again. We can't do this ourselves. And we are asking God in your kindness, Make us zealous for your glory. Reorganize our affections. Replace them with your heart and your affections. Would you allow us to be the people who earnestly desire to please you above all else? And would you do that by the power of the Spirit? We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.